Jesus is that focus that binds us together. And we see that in the book of Philippians over and over again. And we're going through the book of Philippians now. We've been in it for some time. Still have a little ways to go yet. But we always want to keep the focus what it should be on Jesus Christ. And as we said, that does bind us together as believers. And today we're looking in just a few minutes at Philippians chapter 3. Starting at verse 12, going through verse 16. And we're looking at the topic of the gospel goal. A goal. Now, you know, when we think about goals, we all make goals. Uh, we all have different goals in different stages of life. Maybe it's a goal for success or a goal for money or a goal for weight or whatever it may be uh, that we're shooting for. We have goals. And even as young people, all the way till we get older with their goals, I couldn't help but to think about over and over again about a young fella who had a goal uh, when, back, way back where we used to live. Uh, Hannah's best friend as a, as a kid was a fellow by the name of Ben. And Ben was a mess. You never knew what Ben was going to get into. And uh, as a young fellow, he, uh, he had quite the idea and quite the entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, he had learned about the tooth fairy. He had not lost any tooth, teeth himself, but he learned about the tooth fairy because his older brother uh, had lost teeth. And he found out that when, I don't know how this happens at you guys' house, but uh, at his house... When uh, the tooth, uh, when the, somebody lost the tooth, they'd put it on the pillow. Uh, and then in the morning, there was a dollar or something under the pillow from the tooth fairy. This, is this news to y'all? Y'all got this? Y'all know this stuff? Anyway, so, so Ben found out about this. And he came to his mom and dad one day out of the blue. And he said, hey, I'm going to have a lot of money in the morning. And they said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, and he took him to his bedroom and pulled the pillow up. And Ben had found... Uh, the skull of a deer out in the woods <laughs> with the jawbone still intact with the teeth in it and had placed it under his pillow and was counting on the tooth fairy to pay dividends in the morning. <laughs> Needless to say, I think he was a bit disappointed at that point. I think mom and dad sort of you know, fixed that. But you have to appreciate his determination and his creative thinking to get what he wanted. He had a goal of getting some money. Well, as a believer, we have a place where we need uh, to move towards. It's not towards more money as believers, but we need to figure out what that is. So the question is, do you know what the goal is for us as believers? Because it's been said, if you don't know where you are going, you'll probably end up somewhere else, right? Let me just say that again, because this is so true. If you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up somewhere else. So we want to take a look at what our goal is to be believers. And as we see that Paul knew exactly what that was as we look at this passage of Scripture, and and we're grateful that Paul was honest where he was, but we also need to be honest about where we are in this goal as well as we seek to reach this goal as believers in Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at just a few verses this morning, Philippians 3, starting at verse 12, going through verse 16. So in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage of Scripture with us today. The Bible says this, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything anything you think otherwise, God reveal even this to you. 
Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word and in the power that comes through the reading. As the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and pierces through the callousness of our own hearts and challenges us in ways in which we never dreamed. And Lord, we pray that that would be the case in all of our hearts and lives today, that no one would be exempt from the stirring and the moving of the Holy Spirit to challenge us to be more like you. God, I pray that you would have your way in every heart and life. If there are those here today that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives, we pray that this would be that hour where they would trust you by faith, knowing the love and the grace that comes only through you and the hope that's ours because of what you did for us on the cross of Calvary and at the empty tomb. But Father, for those of us who know you as Lord and Savior, and indeed there may be many of us in this room today, who already have trusted you by faith, I pray, Father, that you would challenge us in ways in which we maybe have not been challenged before, to grow in this faith, to not stay the same, but to strive forward in our walk with you, to be more like you, to know you fully, and to live in the power of your resurrection. God, I pray that you would have your way in all of our hearts and lives, and be with me as I, Lord, proclaim the word today, as I stand not in my own confidence, but simply in who you are, and what you're doing in my life. God, I pray now that you would have your way in every heart and every life. And I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see the outline in your bulletin this morning. We're going to follow that along. And we're going to think about uh, how what Paul is talking about here about this gold. Now, last week, if you remember... We talked about the gospel gain, and the, the imagery there that Paul had was really an accounting type imagery. If you remember, he talked about gains and losses, and that, that all the things that he thought had been gained, when you tally them all up, in reality, they are nothing in comparison to Jesus Christ. You remember that? Say amen just to make me feel good about last week. Amen. So this week, if last week was the accounting imagery, this week is an athletic imagery. And so no doubt Paul had seen races there, and it could have been a foot race, it could have been a chariot race, but so that we are more familiar here with foot races and people who are running the race that when we think about, we're going to use that as our imagery today, and thinking about the goal in which we're striving for moving toward. And so the first thing that we need to see here, as we're thinking about this race, this Christian race, following Jesus, the first thing that we need to know is to know your mark. To know your mark. Now, you know that uh, as you have heard, and maybe you've uh, taken part in races, what have you, that the first thing that said is, get on your mark, get set, go, right? And so what we need to know is we need to know the mark. Know where it is we are. And so the first thing that we see under know your mark is your present place. Where is it that we are in this race? Where is it that we are in running this race uh, of following the Lord Jesus Christ? And Paul says in verse 12, he gives us sort of an idea about where he is. He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I have not already attained or am already perfected. What Paul is saying here is that he knew that he wasn't where he wanted to be in his spiritual race. He was not where he needed to be in this spiritual race. 
He knew his present place. The question is, as we think about the present place of you, where are you in the spiritual race? Where are you in your race to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know where you are, and you don't know where I am, and we don't really know where Paul was specifically, but we all have the same answer to the question, where are we in this spiritual race? Here's the answer. We're not at the goal. Amen? That's the answer to that question. We are not at the goal to having spiritual maturity, to spiritual perfection. We are not there yet. And, you know, as I read this, I praise God for that Paul, the Holy, Holy Spirit, inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words, aren't you? That if the Apostle Paul could say, look, I have, not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I am pressing on. That, he is being honest that he is not there yet. He's not at the place in which he is pressing towards spiritually. He's not there yet. And so I'm so thankful that if Paul is that way, certainly we can be honest with ourselves as well. Amen? That we are not where we are supposed to be yet. And so Paul was honest about his walk. And beloved, we must be honest about our walk as believers as well. Now, too, you know, I think about, I couldn't help but to think about the, the church at Laodicea in Re- the book of Revelation. It's known as the lukewarm church. You see, we tend to think, a lot of times, like the Laodicean church. The Laodicean church in Revelation, they thought that they were okay. They thought that they were rich. They thought that they were wealthy. They thought that they didn't need anything. But the Lord knew better. And oftentimes in our own lives as well, as we're in this race, sometimes we think, you know what, I'm okay. I'm good, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I've got all the things I need. I go to church and say, I am exactly where I need to be. I'm okay. But here's the thing, the Lord always knows better. He always knows better that we are not where we need to be in our walk with Him. Well, we have not attained spiritual perfection in our walk with Jesus. We are not where we need to be or want to be in our walk. You say, oh, no, preacher, I'm good. I- I'm good. I'm good to go. I know exactly where I'm at. No where to be. I'm exactly where I want to be. I'm good. Okay, well, let's just ask some questions, all right, can we? All right, so first question is, are you humble? <laughs> and then let's just ask some more questions about where we are in this walk with the Lord, Okay. Are you placing your trust in the things of this world? Are you loving unconditionally? Do you love your enemies? Do you struggle with the flesh? Do you desire and insist on your own way? Are you keeping your tongue in check? Is it tamed? Oh. Do you give sacrificially? Does it upset you when I ask you, do you give sacrificially? (laughs) Do you help the less fortunate? Do you always, always, always obey the Lord? Do you trust Him completely? And we don't have to get the answers from those, do we? Because we know where we are. And the answer is, is that we are not where we need to be. Amen? We have not met the goal. We have not reached spiritual perfection, spiritual maturity to the place where we need or want to be. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20 tells us, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. 
The truth is, and we must all acknowledge, that there is room for improvement. Amen? Whether you have been a child of God for two days or 20 years, there is always room for improvement for us as believers in Jesus Christ. So here's the thing, is that knowing your mark, you need to know where you are in your present position and be honest with yourself about where you are in your position as you are running this race. And the second thing in knowing your mark is you need to know your passionate pursuit. So just as you need to know the mark of where you are presently, you need to know the mark of where you're going, right? You need to know where the goal is. What is the goal that we are pressing for? What is the passionate pursuit in which we are striving, we're going towards? And Paul says here, look, not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Paul says, I am pressing on that I may lay hold of that which, for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Now, to lay hold of something... That literally means to seize suddenly with an eagerness. So if we're thinking about an athlete, we're thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking about a football player. A football player who wants to tackle his opponent and make him his own, right? He's going to seize him eagerly. So the football player who is pulling his opponent down to make him his, his own. Or a wrestler taking his opponent to the mat to make him his own, to abide by what he wants him to do, to to put him under subjection, right? So that's what he's talking about. I press on that I may lay hold of, of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So Paul is saying, look, Jesus Christ arrested me, laid hold of me, seized me on the road to Damascus in order that he might make me to be like him. And so he has laid hold of me. He has, made me, he has called me to himself and saved me. And now I want to lay hold of that which he has laid hold of me for. He is saying, I seek to lay hold of being like Jesus. You see, Paul never got over what Jesus did for him. And he wants to be able to do what it is. Since Jesus laid hold of him and seized him and changed him, then I want to lay hold of that which he's laid hold of me for. To be like him. And so I want to, Paul would say, I want to be all that he wants me to be. I want to be all that he saved me to be. I want to be all that he made me to be. But I am not there yet. But that is the goal. That I am pressing on so that I can lay hold. That I can wrestle this down. That I can be more and more like Jesus. Because he got a hold of my life. And I want to get a hold of this. Y'all with me this morning? That's what he's saying here. He's saying that's his passionate pursuit. That's the mark ahead, which is spiritual maturity. That is knowing Jesus fully. That is living in the power of the resurrection we talked about last week. It is, here it is in a nutshell. It is Christ-likeness. Here's the goal, to be like Jesus. Y'all with me? That's the goal. I want to be like Jesus. I'm back here, but I know that this is what I need to be. So I'm moving forward. I'm str- I want to be like Jesus. That's the passionate pursuit. Know your mark where you are now and know the mark of where we need to be. To be like Jesus. Are we there yet? Was Paul there yet? No. Are we there yet? No, we're not. Know your mark, your present position, your passionate pursuit which is Christ-likeness. So if you know your mark then, along the lines of, of running this race, 
you need to next follow the method. Every runner has a method. Now, I used to run when I was in the Navy, uh, in the chaplaincy. We had to run about every six months to run a PT test or whatever. And, and so I had a method then. If you want to know what my method for running now is, here it is. I don't. <laughs> and I'm very happy about that, by the way. But most, if you ask any runner, they'll tell you that there's a method. That they have a method to what it is that they will do. As I ran, you know, I had a certain way in which I wanted to do things and listen to certain things on the radio, whatever. Everybody has a method. And so as we're thinking about running this race as believers, running toward Christ-likeness, beloved, we need to have a method. And Paul gives us a method. So let's look at the first thing here. There's really three things here. First one is to forego satisfaction. Forego satisfaction. The first part of verse 13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I do not count myself to have apprehended. That means I have done the calculations, I've looked at my life, and I have drawn this conclusion that I am not there yet. I have not apprehended. I have not laid hold of what Jesus wants me to be completely. I am not there yet. And so as he drew this conclusion... We understand that we have to understand we have to understand that we cannot be satisfied with where we are. Because we could say I you know I am I'm there, but if we say that I'm there, then it would be the epitome of pride and would be a lie to myself and I would become satisfied with where I am in my walk with the Lord. We're not to be satisfied. We are to forgo satisfaction in this race. We can never be satisfied where we are in this race to be like Jesus. That's the bottom line. We cannot say, okay, I'm done. No, we can constantly moving forward. So we're to never permit yourself to be satisfied where you are in the journey of spiritual maturity and being like Jesus. You think about a runner. A runner is never satisfied where they are either, right? They're always seeking to cut some time off. It's just a second here or a second there. I want to, and, and they're constantly racing against themselves, against their own time. But they want to improve. They're not satisfied. I can do better. I can move forward. And so that's what we're saying here about being in the race to be like Jesus, is that we are not to find ourselves to be satisfied. But what happens sometimes is we get satisfied because we compare ourselves to other people. We'll say, well, you know, I understand moving forward, but hey, preacher, at least I'm not as bad as those people who didn't come to church today. I've, I've passed a whole lot of them on my way here today. Hey, at least I'm not as bad as those folks. Or at least I'm not as bad as my heathen neighbor. Or at least I'm not as bad as my crazy boss. Or at least I'm not as bad as that liberal or that conservative or whatever. And see, what happens is when we are comparing ourselves to other people and we get satisfied, we become complacent in our walk, and our run, in this race of being like Jesus. We're very satisfied. We're complacent. Let's just keep things as they are. Let's maintain the status quo. Let's keep doing things the way we've always done them. Let's be complacent. Just like the church at Laodicea, lukewarm. But you see, as we point to other people and we say, look, as long as, you know, I'm okay because I'm not as bad as these people. I'm not bad as those folks. I must be doing pretty good. But here's the thing, beloved. We're starting at the wrong place when we start doing that. Instead of comparing yourself to other people, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's when we, it becomes real to us. How we know that we cannot be satisfied because we are not like him yet. When we compare ourselves to Jesus, 
we realize very clearly that we are not there yet. Listen, we cannot be satisfied with where we are in this journey. Too often we establish our own ideas of Christ's likeness and are satisfied right there. I couldn't help as I was thinking about the, this, this idea this week, a story about a king who's with his merry men riding on horses through the woods. And the king comes to a, a grove of trees and only comes to this one particular tree and there are three or four targets there on the tree. And on each one of those targets, there is an arrow right in the bullseye. And so the king says to his merry men, we must find the archer, the person who has, who has done this, who is such a good shot. And about that time, a young boy walked up and he said, ah, sir, it is me. I am the one who shot these arrows in the tree. He said, you mean to tell me that you shot these arrows in the tree? You didn't, you didn't just stick the arrow in the middle of the bullseye? He said, no, sir. I stood a hundred paces back and pulled my bow and shot the arrow into the tree. He said, and so he was very happy with that. The boy was very proud of himself. He says, well, then you should be in my army. And the boy says, well, tell me, how did you do this? How do you learn this? He said, well, it's very quite simple. Is I, pull, I look at a tree, I pull my bow, I shoot the arrow, and then wherever it hits, I go up to it and I, I draw the target around it. You see, too often, that's exactly what we do in our walk with Jesus, right? We shoot, and that's where I want to be. We can't do that because we become satisfied in what we've done and what we've accomplished and where we are. But we compare ourselves to Jesus. It's a whole different story, isn't it? We cannot be satisfied because Jesus is the target. And our aim is to be like him. So follow the method, foregoing satisfaction. And then second part of that is forget the shadows. Forget shadows. Paul says this. He says, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, it's hard for us to forget. You know, you, you, people will say this a lot of times to me. So how do you forget when somebody's done something to you? Or how do you forget... Uh, when you've done something and you just can't put it in mind. Okay, so the word forget here doesn't mean that you don't remember it. The word forget here means to no longer be influenced or affected by it. That's what the word forget means. To no longer be influenced or affected by it. So part of running our race toward Christ-likeness is that we will forget the shadows of what is behind now, Paul talked about last, that last week, about the things that seemed to be so important to him at one time. And so in our own lives, as we're moving forward to be like Jesus Christ, we cannot dwell on the shadows that are behind us. And the shadows may be those things that are, 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 things that are uh, our failures or our feats. They may be our sin or our successes. They may be our pain or our plaudits. They may be our guilt or good works. But the shadows are things that are to be left behind. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. We're to forget the shadows because we, if we dwell on the shadows, we will lose focus as to where we're supposed to be going. So if you're running a race and you're constantly looking behind you, how are you going to do on your run? You're going to trip, you're going to fall, you're going to lose your time, all kinds of things are going to take place. And so forget the shadows. We're to let nothing distract us or hinder us from you 
loving the Lord Jesus fully and knowing him fully and following him fully and seeking to be like him. Because, listen, you need to understand this. The shadows of the past should be just that. Shadows of the past. Amen? Y'all with me? Shadows of the past. Don't let the shadows of the past, whether they're good or bad, to cause you to lose your focus of what you're supposed to be doing and being like Jesus. Because shadows can do that sometimes. You know, this past week, maybe you all are sort of like we are. We are in our house. Uh, we have a basement. We have like an in-law suite downstairs. And then in half of the basement, and the other half is like underground. But there's like a three-by-three three, um, window, boarded-up window kind of thing that you have to go in uh, to check on the water and that sort of thing. And so I wanted to get into this little hole where, the, where there's dirt. You know, you can see the trusses for the floor right above you. I wanted to get in there to see with all the rain that we'd had to make sure there's nothing that was seeping through the cinder blocks and that sort of thing. So I opened up uh, that little door to get in. And, uh, you know, whoever makes these things, they need to learn to put the light switch right next to the window when you're walking through because there's a light in there, but it's right in the middle. You know, so it's dark when you go, y'all know what I'm talking about? So I turned my, my light on on my camera to get over, to, to crawl through, get across the dirt, and go over to the light, pull the light on, okay? So I did that, and I'm looking around and, and checking the dirt, make sure there's nothing that had seeped through and everything's fine. And I look around up the wood trusses, and I look, and lo and behold, I see a snake skin about that long right across the top of the, uh, the wood up there. Of course, it came, I stepped back just a little bit, because anybody who knows me, knows that I do not like snakes and do not try to tell me that they're good for you or that they're good because all snakes are evil, okay? So just, just know that's where I am with that. And as I look, and as, of course, I see it, and I recognize, because being from the country, I'd seen this all before, and it's very clear that's probably a black snake. Don't even try to convince me a black snake's good. It's still a snake. Amen? So... So the, there is a snake skin up there, and I see it, and uh, so I'm down there trying to find out, you know, what's, you make sure there's no seep, seepage and of water, whatever. And so the way the light was, as I am walking in underneath this, underneath the house, there's a cord that's coming out from the wall, <laughs> and the way the light hits the, the cord, the, the, the shadow does this behind it. And so immediately I lose focus of why I'm there. And I am not there for very long, even though I realize it's just a shadow. I'm here to tell you that sometimes shadows can cause you to lose your focus. Amen? So whether your shadow is something like that or if it's just a shadow of the past, it's a shadow in the past. And here's another great insight that you need to understand about that things being in the past. You know, when you're running, and you're running toward the sun, the shadow is always behind you. Amen? Keep running toward the sun. Amen? Warren Wiersbe says this as we think about the things of our past. He says, we break the power of the past by living for the future. So we move toward the future and knowing that we're going to be with Jesus. So follow the method, forego the satisfaction, forget the shadows, and then thirdly, forward striving. 
forward striving. And then we see in verse 13, it says, reaching, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. This reaching forward, as you think about the image in your mind of a runner that is running to the finish line, is running to the goal, he is straining, he is moving, he is giving it all that he's got, he has got, he is committed to the goal, he is co- concentrating on the task, he is dedicated to the race, and he is determined to get there. Beloved, that is exactly what we need as we're running this race to follow Jesus Christ. A commitment, a concentration, a dedication, a determination. Paul says in Hebrews 12.1, not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The word endurance is perseverance. We are to persevere, to keep striving, to keep moving, to keep going, to press on in all things, in all places, in all ways, in all circumstances, in all situations, to keep running, whether it's raining, whether it's a storm in life, or whether the sun is shining, to keep running, to be all that we're supposed to be in being like Jesus Christ. We're striving in this race, and indeed we are running from something and running to something. Let me explain that. There was a little girl who accepted Christ as her Savior. And she was asked by some folks about her conversion. And they said, were you a sinner before you received the Lord Jesus into your life? And she said, yes, sir. He says, well, are you still a sinner? And she said, to tell the truth, I feel that I'm a greater sinner than ever. Then what real change have you experienced? He asked. And she says, I don't know quite how to explain this, except to say this. I used to be a sinner running after sin, but now that I'm saved, I'm a sinner running from sin. Amen? So in our forward striving, we are to forgo being satisfied with where we are, forget the shadows that are behind us, and strive forward with dedication, determination, endurance, and perseverance running from sin and running to being more and more like Jesus Christ. Know your mark and follow the method. And so we know where we are, if we're honest with ourselves. We know where we need to be in the goal. We know the method that we need to take as we're running this race. Now we need to know, we need to embrace the motivation. What keeps us moving? What keeps us running? What keeps us striving and going forward and straining ahead and pressing on? Well, the first thing we see here is love for the Savior. And there is no greater motivation than that. Because we love Jesus. In verse 14, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing toward this goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know how many commentaries that I have on my desk for the book of Philippians, but every one of them have a different idea about what this goal and the prize is that Paul is talking about here. So I think that if it were me, if I'm thinking about this, about Paul, thinking about what the prize would be, what would have been Paul's greatest prize that he was striving for? Some would say he's looking forward to the rapture and that upward call of the rapture. That could be the case. Some are saying he's looking forward to the day when he will receive the crowns of glory for all that he has done and the rewards in which he has received for for being faithful to the Lord. That's possible. 
But I'm thinking if I'm the Apostle Paul and I'm in a prison, I'm not worried so much about the crown. And I'm not worried so much about the rapture. I just want to see Jesus. Amen? And so Jesus himself is the prize. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He is pressing on to that day in which he will see him. Yes, if he receives rewards, he knows that he will lay them at the feet of Jesus. It's about being with him. It's the upward call. It is the call from heaven to heaven. It's an upward call. And this upward call of being with Jesus and loving him is what motivates us to stay on the path. To stay at it. To we want to be more like him. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Amen? Paul never got over what happened to him on the Damascus Road. We should never get over what happened to us when he saved us gloriously and gave us hope. This upward call of being with Jesus, it motivates us. We want to be like him. It's an upward call. That's what motivates us. It's not a backward call. A backward call certainly would not motivate us. What's a backward call? It's a going backward to our past failures and successes. If we go backward, there's only guilt and emptiness. It's an upward call toward Jesus Christ. It's not a sideways call. It's not a sideways call because a sideways call is those distractions of the things of this world. Now, while we're running a race, sometimes we can easily become distracted, if not by the shadows, by the things of this world. We'll go over here and chase this rabbit and do this. We just stay at it. It's not a sideways uh, uh, call because those things don't last. We might think there's happiness this way or contentment that way, but those things don't last. It's an upward call. We're going toward Jesus Christ. It's not a downward call. A downward call is going down toward the evil things of this world, and those things lead to destruction. No, it's an upward call toward Jesus. Our love for Jesus is what we're to embrace that motivates us to move forward. It propels us. It spurs us forward in this run, this race with the Lord. And we have this love for him because of what he's done for us. He called a hold of me, Paul says. Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. And I'm still striving to lay hold of that for which he's laid hold of me for. Not only is it love for the Savior, but it's also a love for the saints. When you look at verses 15 and verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, Paul says, let us as many as mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. He said, look, let us, as many who are, who are making progress in our faith, those who are mature, let us have this mind, this same mind, the idea of what we're talking about here, that we're not there yet. And if any of you think otherwise, then God will reveal even this to you, that you're not there yet. So he's saying, look, those of us together, let us all have this mind together, that no matter where you are on your journey, may you also have this same mind that we're not, here, that we're not there yet, and let us passionately pursue this thing of being like Jesus, and let us run this race together. All of us need to realize that none of us are there yet. Amen? All of us need to realize that none of us are there yet. But we strive forward together. You know, when you're in a race, isn't it more fun when there's people with you? When you're running, isn't it more fun when people are with you? Yes. And so let us love the saints. And as we love the saints, we want all of us to grow more in love with Jesus and become more and more like Jesus. To embrace this motivation, have a love for the Savior, a love for the saints. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 22. Verse 37 and following, he said, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
For this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let this be our motivation, to press forward, to be more and more like Jesus, because we love Jesus because of what he did for us, and we love the saints, and we even love those who don't know Jesus yet because we want them to come along with this race too. Amen? Let that be our motivation. So two things to do. Number one, is to see your status. See your status. See where you are. And only you know that. Only you really know where you are in this race of following Jesus. Where you are in making progress. Have you gotten to a place where you're just standing still? Are you making progress, but it's not quick enough? It's not moving at the pace you want to because you have decided to do, go a different way. You've been distracted by the things of this world. See your status. Be honest about where you are in your walk with the Lord. And then secondly, as you see your status, run the race. Run it. Run the race. Forgo satisfaction. Quit being satisfied with where you are. Don't be complacent. Forget the shadows. Quit letting those things be an albatross around your neck. Quit letting them be a chain around your ankles. Forget the shadows of the past and strive forward for the glory of God. Run the race. Be embracing the motivation of loving him with all your heart. It's because of our love for him that we move forward. Strive to be like Jesus with a greater love for him. I don't know if you've ever heard this or seen this or not, but on the wall near the main entrance to the Alamo in San Antonio, there is a picture And on that picture, there's an inscription, and it says, James Butler Bonham. No picture of him exists, but this picture is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, who is deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. And it is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. Beloved, listen. No literal portrait of Jesus exists either. But the likeness of the Son who makes us free should be seen in the lives of all of his true followers. Amen? People are to look at us and see within us and see us and say, there is somebody who looks like Jesus, who acts like Jesus. Now, if you take this, all of this, really, as we've talked individually, how this applies to each of us individually, it really also applies to us as a church as a whole. This running this race of being like Jesus, because we know where we are as a, as a church. We need to figure out where we are as a church. That, and what we understand is, is that we're not there yet. Amen? As a church, as a church as a whole, we're not there. We're not completely like Christ-like. We're on the journey, but we're not there yet. So we know our mark. But also, we should follow the method. As a church, we also should forego any satisfaction. We should never get to the point where we say as a church, okay, we've arrived. Amen? We should never get to that point where we're, okay, now we're good. We've maintained the status quo from this point forward. No, that's never where we're to be. We never never are satisfied. We forego satisfaction. And here's the other part of that, is that we're to forget our shadows. You need to understand something, Mount Pleasant, is that every church has its shadows. 
Some of them have been great times in the past, times of great height of revival and numbers, and there have been times of, of badness, bad things that have happened as well, times of dis- disruption and discouragement. But we, to run this race, to be more like Jesus, must not become satisfied, but we must also forget the shadows and leave the shadows in the past. Amen? The past is the past. We're now moving toward the sun. Amen? Moving forward, striving forward to be like Jesus. Embracing why we're doing what we're doing. It's because we love Jesus with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And we love people. Amen? Moving forward, running the race, striving for the goal. And one day, we're going to see him. Amen? Let's pray. Father... We pray that you'd have your way in all of our hearts and lives. Lord, that we would be the people of God that you want us to be. Lord, that you will have taken this passage of Scripture and dealt with each of us in ways, Father, that will challenge us to move forward and not to be satisfied where we are, but to be honest with where we are in our present mark, but to see the mark that's ahead of us and let it become our passionate pursuit. Lord, that it might be our goal that in everything in all things, in all situations, that we want to strive forward to be like you, Lord Jesus. Lord, if there are those here today who've never started the journey, who don't know you personally as Lord and Savior, they've known about you, but they've never trusted you by faith, we pray that this would be the moment that they would say yes to Jesus as they acknowledge that we're all sinners, as we have, and we all need a Savior who is your Son, Jesus. Father, we pray that they would turn from sin and turn to Jesus Christ in humble repentance, embracing, believing with all their heart that Jesus is God, the Son of God who died for us on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, and professing Him as Lord and Savior. For those here today who have never professed Jesus, who have trusted Jesus by faith, may this be that moment as we come to the invitation in just a moment. They can take one of the pastors here by the hand and we'll be glad to pray with them. But Father, we pray that you'd be those of us who know you, who claim the name of Jesus, that we claim to be disciples, born-again believers, but maybe we've slowed down in our pace. Maybe we've turned aside the wrong way. Maybe we've heard calls in a different direction and we've moved in a different direction than running the race of being like Jesus. Lord, may you forgive us. May you convict us. May you guide us. May you direct us. May you challenge us and change us and lead us on the path. And we leave here today that we begin running again toward being like you. And we give you the glory for how you're going to change us and work in us and draw people to yourself through us. Lord, may you be glorified in all things as we come to this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come and pray, pastors.